Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. As you can tell, I'm not Jamie. Uh, I am Angus. Uh, Jamie can't be with us this evening, unfortunately. Um, so it's just me and Dan Ashby this evening. Dan, how are you? Hello, Angus. I'm doing well. Thank you very much, mate. Um, back to back green arrows. I've not been able to say that for a while. So looking forward to the next game week. Unfortunately, we've got a week wait a week. Yeah. Without further ado, we'll crack right on with with our show. Um, we'll start off with the game week review. Um, I'll go first on this one because then I'll pull up how the pod team is doing as well. Um, so I got 113 this week uh, on Goalfest. Um, a great week for a Goalfest. I had four goals coming from two players, uh, Alexander Mitrovic and Dominic Solanke. Uh, Solanke I also captained. So while the Goalfest points aren't doubled, that gave him a captaincy score of 44 for me, all all told. So 34 plus the extra 10. Um, I had Mitrovic, who got t- 24. Vice Captain Dykes, which was a, who blanked. Uh, Christie with nine. Zamora with six. Bree with nine. And Townsend with eight. Um, so that's that's a nice green arrow. Um, I've snuck inside the top 200 now. Uh, that was a arrow of green arrow of almost 120 places, which shows how many places can be made up in one go still at this point with how condensed the scores still are. Um, Dan, how did your week go? So I got 101 minus four. Um, I didn't have a boost, so quite happy with that. Um, Overall, I just feel like my team's in a better place. I feel like um, I can see a light and a pathway of where I want to go. so I had Captain Adebayo. Uh, obviously, he got his goal, but he got taken off at half time with a, a precaution over a tight hamstring. Uh, I bought his Captain Mitrovic for 21, and then Solanke was emergency. Made quite a lot between Solanke, Mitrovic, and Adebayo. And I've done a bit of research on Huddersfield, and it put me off uh, Captain in Solanke. Uh, I'm just happy to have him in my team. Uh, I then had Wilson seven, Christie's nine, Townsend's eight, Robinson's five at the back and Zamora. So got quite a lot of uh, points returns. The only letdown was Willick being benched. I think it's, you get the feeling that when they're playing an easier team, they're going to put two up front, like two strikers. Yeah. And um, we look obviously unfortunate to drop out, but overall, I'm I'm happy. I've I've moved up to 564, which is about a hundred place rank increase. So hopefully, Adebayo isn't out um, for too long, and I'll keep him. Or if he's injured, I'll make a transfer. But with the reset of the boosts, I'd like to maybe try and roll going into the new boost. Yeah, so obviously for people who haven't sort of realised, um, this coming weekend is the last chance to use any boosts you have. So if you've already u- if you've only used one, you're going to miss out on one. Uh, if you've used two, use it this weekend. Um, 
basically anything you gain at this point is a gain like in terms of using the boost because otherwise you wouldn't use it so you might as well use one um in terms of the pod team uh, we've got 83 this week uh, it was a red arrow um but the pod team is still in the top 173rd overall uh we played Goldfest, which as with a lot of people didn't really go that well the only person we had who scored a goal in the pod team was Mitrovic. Uh, <laughs> we had Furlong and Townsend at the back who combined for 24 points. We had Zamora, we had Wilson seven, Mitrovic vice captain. Um, we had a captaincy blank from uh, Brereton Diaz. You know, we had Willock, we had Swift, um, we had Dykes in that team as well, and we had Cornick. So um, not ideal, but you know, we're still in the top hundred with that team and. Uh, looking forward to sort of going forward with that one as well um so we will get into the sort of uh, game week review we'll go through all the matches and then we've got quite a few questions from you guys to get to so we'll do that at the end as well um we're going by the order of the quest highlights so the first game we've got is cardiff middlesbrough um dan is doing the home teams this week i'm doing the away teams uh, so, Dan, if you want to kick us off by talking about Cardiff. Um, so, obviously, the main news is Mick McCarthy is now gone. Um, not too sure if it's worth going over the formation and team because it doesn't really... The new manager who comes in is not going to play that team anyway, so... Um, they they were terrible again, apart from yeah. a ten minute spell after after half time. Um they've won six in twenty five and no win in eight, including one goal. Uh, I believe it's the w- most losses in a row in Cardiff's history. Six straight defeats at home, which is also um the most ever. So I think it's about right. McCarthy got the sack. Some Cardiff fans would probably say it's maybe two weeks too soon, probably uh, too late. Um, I guess we're just waiting for who's going to be the new manager. Um, I think we've seen though with Forrest that Cardiff could have some options, so definitely keep them on the short list. It's definitely a a way to jump up the ranks if you can get on these players quick if they do start to to score well more Lynn NG Morrison um, I've still got Giles so yeah I think it's more of uh, keeping eye on what's going on and if you can get an advantage on Cardiff if they do look like they've turned the corner then maybe take a risk and jump on them quicker or anyone else but yeah I think I'm, yeah I mean I guess that's the biggest thing with Cardiff like you know I sat and I had two games on at Saturday lunchtime I also had the uh Chelsea dismantling of Norwich on at the same time but um I actually ended up spending more time sort of watching this one in part because the other one wasn't really a contest uh as much as this one was (laughs) um and I I just wasn't impressed by Cardiff. I know that there have been concerns about, you know, Sean Morrison playing in a back four at this point in his career, but it, it can't have been any worse than it was. I mean, and that's the thing. I think, you know, it wasn't so much just the results. Like obviously, the results were terrible. 
but it was the performances as well. It just, they weren't up to anything. Aside from like the one game that they lost where they was exceedingly unlucky, I think it was against Reading a couple of weeks ago, where they absolutely dominated them and lost. Apart from that, they've been distinctly second best in every game for a while. Um, I just had a quick look at the next manager odds and the two sort of shortest you can get are Chris Wilder and Michael Flynn, both of whom I think would be interesting hires for them. I think those are the two names that have been mentioned most frequently already. Obviously, Chris Wilder was, I think he was in the crowd for the Fulham game last week. Um, Michael Flynn, obviously well thought of in that part of the the world after his work with um, Newport County. Um, I think both of those could be interesting hires. Chris Wilder obviously jumps off the off the page. We know what Chris Wilder can do. And particularly thinking about Cardiff in that three at the back um, before, if Chris Wilder can get in doing similar things, then obviously their players start to become much more interesting. Um, on the Middlesbrough side of things, it's difficult because Cardiff were, ba- were bad. But I think you've also got to be positive about Middlesbrough. Um, I thought they played well in this game. Uh, they made a couple of changes. Um, Onel Hernandez came back into the lineup at sort of left wing back. And Ik Piezu came in for Duncan Watmore in the front two. Um, I don't think they can have too many complaints about the penalty that was given. Um, McGuinness's hand is away from his body it stops a shot like, it's close to his body but it's away enough and it stops a shot you know, it, you're going to give a penalty for that uh, decent penalty down the middle by Spora who was bright all game um, he then obviously uh, laid it off for uh, Pajero who took a really good touch and then finished right into the corner um, he seems to be finding a little bit of form I think he's played the last two in the sort of number 10 role behind the front two. So he could be interesting, but I'm still not going to recommend anyone from the Middlesbrough attack. Certainly not based off playing Cardiff. Uh, They've just played Barnsley and Cardiff. Like let's see them play someone, you know, remotely decent before we start recommending their players. Um, But, you know, they'll hopefully get some of their players back. You know, if they could get, more than sort of two fit defenders. Um, that will obviously be beneficial for them. Um, I mean, looking at the weekend, they play Birmingham. Uh, so Birmingham, Luton, West Brom, Millwall, next four. That will give us more of an indication of how much this turn, how real this turnaround is. Um, so while I think it was positive for them, with how bad Cardiff have been, there's only so so much so much I'm going to recommend them. Um, but we'll move on from them to West Brom against Bristol City. Um, so I think you'll have much more of the talking to do in this game than me. Uh, so if you want to talk about uh, West Brom. Yeah, so um, there were a few changes to the lineup. Uh, there was no Livermore, Mauer or Robinson. Uh, so Malumbi and Snodgrass play uh, centre-mid together with Hugel coming in up front. And uh, Hugel finally got his first goal of the season. Great cross by Furlong. Um, we then had um, Furlong, 
using his massive long throw and Barley just flicking it on into into the net. And then uh, Grant capitalised on a terrible defensive mistake by Bristol City and he went clean through and scored. We then had Snodgrass hitting the bar. Um, it was maybe one thing to note is the subs were used early again, um, but they're 3-0 up. Like, it's a bit more understandable. You're 3-0 up. Resting, like, like, understanding. Um, so, yeah, we keep coming around to this same old question. And I know Jamie, re- re- you get the feeling Jamie wants to play Grant. He wants to pick him. Yes. And to be honest, was he on six in six or five in five now? He's, Something he's, like that. Yeah. Um, is Brera and Diaz and Victor form like waning a bit? Is there an opportunity to take a gamble on that third striker slot? Um, yeah. But in this game, I felt like West Brom were back to West Brom as they were at the start of the season. Whether that's anything to do with West Brom or whether it's to do with Bristol City, I'm not too sure because I think they created eight big chances in this match. Um, do you want to talk about Bristol City, Angus? Or? Uh, I've got two notes or three notes from on Bristol City. One was just the lineup detail that Masengo came in for uh, Scott. The second was that uh, Baker is now injured. Um, I'm not sure Bristol City fans would think that's necessarily a bad thing, but he's injured. The third one was just to give credit to Danny Simpson um, for an incredible assist for Carl and Grant's goal. Um, and that he kind of summed up Bristol City's day in that moment, especially given that he basically just stood there and watched Carl and Grant go through and score. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I don't have anything else to say about Bristol City. Um, I know that we'll come back. I'm sure we'll come back to Grant because he will probably come up in the questions later. Uh, <laughs> but we'll move on to the next game, which was obviously uh, an interesting one in terms of the result, uh, which was Peterborough against QPR. So, Dan, talk to us about Peterborough. Yeah, so Peterborough lined up in the 3-4-3 with... Um... The young Burroughs coming at left back, uh, left wing back for Butler. Um, whenever I've seen Burroughs play, he's, he's looked quite lively at left wing, all left wing back. Now they had a front three of Grant, Smodix, and Dembele through the middle. Um, Burroughs got the first goal, um, and then Dembele made it two with a Taylor assist. Um, Dembele also missed another big chance. Um, I think what is really interesting is they seem to have picked up form without Clark Harris. Uh, I think he's due to be back in for the next game, so it'll be really interesting to see do they change this lineup or does he come on the bench? Uh, I, d- I don't know if Peterborough have turned the corner because against Hull, Hull, I know big chances it was 5-2 to Hull and Hull missed the penalty uh, maybe it's just Dembele is, is a, I think Dembele is just a good player and he's taking chances and getting 
Um, is he an option? Probably not, but he's definitely helping Peterborough scoring goals. And they've now attached themselves out of the relegation zone and onto that mass of about 16 teams from down the bottom of the table. So, yeah, their aim is to stay up. And at the minute, they're, they're doing it quite comfortably. Uh, I don't know what you say about QPR. I was a bit disappointed with them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the, the headline news, like you've mentioned, was um, Willock dropped out of the team, um, as did um, Dazelle, but that made sense with Johansson coming into the lineup and Charlie Austin came in for Willock. Um, so, obviously, they went with a front two with chair behind th- them. Um I mean, you, you know, you look at a lot, of the, a lot of the stats, you know, they had more of the ball, they had more shots, although only marginally. Um, but, you know, at the same time, they've, they've gone to Peterborough. The only goal they've scored is a direct from a corner. So it would be quite disappointing for them. Um, I think if you look at the goals they conceded in terms of being cut open um, by Peterborough, and, you know, there was, like you say, there were one or two other sort of good chances for Peterborough as well. Um, and I think that's the thing with QPR, you know, that it's it's almost all about whether the attack can cancel out the inevitable sort of conceding of goals at the back. Um, you know, I mean, Chair went close in addition to scoring Dykes, had a couple, had a couple bright moments again. Um, it's quite clear that, you know, I, th- I think now that he's the best option for them up top. Um, probably supported by Willock and Chair rather than with Austin or Gray in the team, but I know that will rotate in part to keep you know guys happy and everything. Um, I think it's an unlucky one for Willock owners with how well he'd been playing. I also think it's particularly unlucky for them that he came on in the final 10 minutes. So um, I know some people won't necessarily have had big returns to come off the bench, some will. Um, that will have been blocked by that. So I think that's a little bit unlucky as well. But um, it's like I've said with other players in previous game weeks, he might actually benefit from that, that they struggled with him out of the team. It makes his path back into the team, I think, that little bit clearer. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, a pretty disappointing day for QPR, really, in that one. Um looking at the big chances, Angus, and it's I think it's 10 out of the 14 games now. They've conceded two or more big chances. It's just not good enough. To the point where they might not even get in the playoffs because of it. Even though with all their attacking talent, if you're concede, constantly conceding two goals a game, you're going to struggle to win a lot of football matches. Yeah, I mean, they, in the last two games, basically the only fix they've tried to make as they brought in Jimmy Dunn and that hasn't really corrected anything so I think they're, they're going to need to sort of have have some sort of think about you know whether there's anything they can do to sort of help that more or whether it's just about a sort of quality upgrade I'm not sure um, but for the moment they're still good for chances against them like you say and I think that's something for people to bear in mind that while they're going to be good going forward they're they're regularly conceding big chances and goals at the back. Um, but we'll move on to the next game here, which was uh, Coventry against Derby. Uh, Coventry lose their 100% home record. Uh, Dan, talk to us about them. Yeah, so 
Coventry, uh, Clark, Salter, Hamer and Godden started. Uh, Walker was dropped or rested to the bench. Um, Godden had been missing the last couple of games after his uh, swan dive done to win the penalty against Fulham. Um, but he did win the penalty and he scored the penalty um, in this game to take the lead. Um, they then, Hamer hit the bar and God and then had another disallowed goal. Um, they were very good first half, but I think it's been a couple of times where their uh, levels have dropped in the second half. Obviously, it's a three-game week, I guess. It's going to happen. Um, and Derby obviously got himself back into the game. Um, so, yeah. It's been a couple of games now that Gokarez hasn't scored. They've been taking him off. I don't know if he if he is has been injured and he's been playing with his injury. Um, so yeah, it's. I'm guessing some owners are getting a bit twitchy on Gokarez now. Yeah, um, which is good because I don't have him. Um, but yeah. Coventry were going to lose their 100% record. Uh, Derby aren't the worst team. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how they progress because they've started to get the odd draws now, Coventry. Yeah. And although they are in the playoffs, I think they're fourth, they're only three points ahead of that massive group of, of teams. So, yeah, we'll see, see where it goes. Uh, what, what did you think? about Derby in this match, Angus? Um, I thought it was another one where, like you say, I think they, they hung on a little bit, particularly in the first half. Um, but they're battling away. They're, they're not a bad team. Um, I, know we, I know I was sort of very guilty of laughing at them with some of the players they were signing, and I get that that was the situation, and, you know, it, it does create a tough situation for them, I think, in some of these situations where they're sort of relying on some of these older guys, which can be a problem, and I think it has resulted in them struggling a little bit to score goals, which is obviously the big issue, the reason they're down the bottom, in addition to the points deduction. I mean, the points without the points deduction, they would be level on points with Forrest and Swansea, who are 15th and 16th, so... You know they're they're a decent team. Um, obviously that I, Roos came back in goal for this game, although I think Allsop was unavailable, and Eberselle came in for Knight on the right hand side. Um, the goal was probably their best move of the match. Um, it got a little like it, it looked like it had been half stopped, and then Shinny actually came up with a with another good with a good finish there to to sort of equalize for them like i say they're, they're battling away um obviously they didn't have rooney there at the weekend it was uh liam rossinia taking charge um i'm not sure how much of a difference that actually makes but um you know it's it's certainly you know nothing nothing's easy for derby at the moment <laughs> wasn't it rooney's birthday yesterday it's a bit convenient isn't it <laughs> yeah um but you know they're they're up to five points after the deduction um which puts them six points off safety at this point so they're they're battling away like i say without the deduction they'd be sort of lower mid table and you know i think that's probably a reflection of the quality of team they are at this point and there's they're sort of like the 
17th-ish best team in the league, I think. Um, teams are going to struggle at times to score past them, but it's how many goals they can get. I think we've seen it again. It's it's all incumbent on the goals. I think before the midweek game, they were the joint lowest scorers in the league. They've scored three goals in a week, which will help that number. But um, And also, um, we played in midweek, and, and they were very good between the boxes. Yeah. And quite good defensively, but they scored two goals, Angus, but the first one was a mistake by Bradley. He turned into one of their players who went for the sport, and the second one slipped through the saves. And apart from that, they didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, so they're doing a great job. And if they don't get the other points deduction, they've got a chance to stay up. Yeah. Yeah, as long as they avoid any further points deductions, they've got a chance. Um, unfortunately for them, the team occupying that final sort of safety position is Cardiff, who you would think would have a bounce now. If they don't, then, you know, it's a, it becomes very interesting very quickly for Derby. But I think they're probably more looking at the likes of Peterborough, who are nine points ahead of them and Preston, who are ten points ahead of them, than Cardiff, who are only six points ahead of them, probably in reality. Um, for a team who are struggling to win games. Yeah, so it, it really is. I mean, you know, we've seen we've seen Kazim Richards a couple of times now, back from his injury as he's working his way back to fitness. If he can get them even ten goals this season, that might be the difference between them staying up or going down. Um, I'm not sure whether he can do it, but I think that's the sort of thing that will end up making the difference in whether they stay up or whether they go down. Um, but we'll move on from then um, to Blackburn versus Reading. Um, so, Dan, talk to us about Blackburn. Yeah, so Blackburn went back to their 4-3-3 uh, after their trial with five at the back. Uh, it was the normal front three of uh, Brereton, Diaz, Gallagher and Dolan. And I think the bad news for Brereton, Diaz owners and captainers was... He didn't, he didn't get a goal or assist in, in this match. Um, going into it, he was the one player I was worried about not owning this week. I thought with Reading's defence looking as shaky as it had been, especially after the them conceding three in the second half at home to Blackpool, I was worried about uh, not having, having very years. But, uh, Gallagher got the first goal up. Um, he sort of got the rebound after a great run from Rothwell. He does that so well, carrying the ball through the centre. He does it probably two or three times a game. Yeah. Um, and then Dolan with the second uh, from a Gallagher assist, curled it bottom corner, great finish. Um, and Gallagher also hit post. Uh, yeah, I think Blackburn just so inconsistent, aren't they? Yeah. I know they had a few injury worries with Andrew and Diaz, Chile thing, but um, yeah, they, get, they, they, they played well against the Red inside who looked like they were back to their defensive issues again, even though they've now actually got centre-backs. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Um, I mean, it's worth saying on Brereton Diaz as well, just thinking about it, uh, 
chance late on that Van Heck, for some reason, who's up in the area that Brereton Diaz nod, nods down. I'm sure owners, when they see that back, will sort of have their head in their hands about how Van Heck manage, manages to sort of roll it like miles wide relative to where he was. Um, but I guess that's the finish of a centre back in fairness to him. Um, but Reading, no, I mean, they're getting more of a you look at it and it's like, okay, we've now got 11 players in their sort of like natural positions or at least at least nine or 10, um, which is what they, they've been struggling to get to. Um, you know, they, they had more of the ball in this game, but, you know, they, they only had the same number of shots. They only had two shots on target the whole game. Um, the only change was Aziz starting, which will be interesting if they can sort of pick their attacking sort of the gold number up a bit whether that helps them whether that helps swift be interesting to see as he gets more minutes under his belt yeah. um hmm? i think he went off injured oh he went off early yeah so he might be injured again um well, i haven't seen but um yeah it's i think they're just further the only real note i have on them is they just seem to be further cementing their status as swift or no one in gaffer terms. Um, I know some people will be entertaining the idea of selling John Swift. I think there's there's an argument for that um, to potentially sort of work out whether it's the right time to move away. You know, Bournemouth, Millwall, Birmingham, Forest, the next four, it's not necessarily the greatest fixture. So I do understand the argument for moving on. Um, it's not something I've ruled out, um, but if you're going to Reading, it's so clear that it's Swift or no one at this point. Well, I'd, I never brought him back in after I got rid of him, so I'm just glad he, he didn't score. Um, I think you know, though, if Reading do score, there's a high chance he's going to be involved. Yeah, although we said that about Blackburn and Brereton Diaz, and they've scored twice and he hasn't been involved. I know, but you, you know... You know, he's talisman, isn't he? So, I think with those fixtures, it's if you if you're brave, I think you can get rid. Yeah, but um, we'll move on to from them though to Luton against Hull. Um, I know you'll have comments on Luton, so I'll get Hull out of the way because I don't really have very much at all to say about Hull. Hull are bad. Um, it's a Debate between them and Barnsley for who the worst team in the league is at this point. Um, they're really battling it out for the title. I think it's probably Hull. Um, they had one shot on target the whole game. Um, they only made one change. I mean, McCann keeps talking about how like there, there's positives and like you know the the the, the tactical all set up his right or whatever which you know just furthers the idea that he has no idea what he's doing um but yeah target hole they're really bad uh dan talked to us about luton yeah what i will say with with hole is uh lewis potter is not going down to league one again he, oh no no no, no. Like, um yeah with luton uh going into the game um there was quite a lot of conversation about would we change from the five at the back and we did we went to four three three um 
you make two changes on your dimmer and Berry came into the side and Naismith and Pelly um, went out. Naismith, obviously, uh, after getting his fifth yellow card against Derby, um, probably made the decision easier to go to a four, a four at the back. Uh, first half, we were pretty good. Um, Adebayo got the goal with a great assist by uh, Onyedim, a great movement from Adebayo. He he doesn't miss back stick. Um, I was interested to see the whole um, young centre-back they got from Man United, Bert, I think it's Bernard. Yeah. He got bullied by Adebayo. And I mean bullied. Like, I felt sorry for him. Um, <laughs> There was a couple of injuries. Berry went off during the first half. That looked like a knee injury, just a 50-50. And Adebayo went off at half-time. Jones has said it's a tight hamstring. Probably just so many games and the way we we press. So hopefully that was just a precaution. Hopefully he's back. But definitely keep uh, a lookout for team news. Second half, we were poor. Didn't really struggle. Uh, we brought on Jerome. Not match fit. He, he's just not sharp enough. Um, and in the final third, we just struggled to get the final pass off. But to be honest, anyone else apart from Hull, and we probably don't win the game. Um, in this formation, if it's 4-3-3, Cornick is going to play on the right and he's not as good of option. But it was quite interesting. I listened to Tom Lockyer, who sent a back he done the post uh, press conference, and he said he, they asked him about the formation change, and they said they didn't feel like they needed three centre backs against a, a st- one striker. So I'm wondering, we're just going to match up um, what the teams are playing. So. Our next three games are Preston, Middlesbrough and Stoke, all who play two up front. Yes. I, I, I would expect us to go to back to five at the back, Naismith coming back in, Cornick going up front, hopefully with Adebayo. Um, I'm guessing the other thing to say was Bree got bonus again for a yes, low. Yes, he did. Which is not good. <laughs> so I've, got, I've still got Bell and every week, Bree just gets two bonus, free bonus, even if he he doesn't do an assist. But yeah, um, quite quite happy with Luton. Obviously, up to fifth somehow, even though we're joint eleventh as well. <laughs> yeah, bonkers league, but we'll see. Like I said, no reason to get rid of the assets unless Adebayo is out. Because if he's out, the first game is probably. Yeah, um, I'm interested by the the sort of formation matchup thing. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, hopefully, having Cornick, that will be a good one there. Um, but we'll move on to the next one um, that Jamie was at, but unfortunately he's not here to give us his thoughts on it. Uh, which was Millwall against Stoke. Uh, Millwall two, um, Stoke one. Um, speaking of uh, players who were involved in all their team's goals but weren't involved, uh, Jed Wallace. So, uh, Dan, talk to us about Millwall. 
Yeah, so uh, three, four, two, one. Malone did start. Um, Wallace, Ojo were behind Tom Bradshaw, and uh, Bradshaw got scored two goals, and it looked like an actual replay. I, I had the quest highlights to see if it was actually two different goals because he sort of got played in behind uh, the right of Stokes' channel and just played across and. Bradshaw couldn't miss, so he, he scored two. And Bradshaw does this. I, I forgot he was even at Mill. Yeah. He'll do this like two or three times a season where he'll just score a couple of goals and then he won't play for about two or three months. Um, the assists were from Ojo and Leonard, and somehow Mill will have won four out of five. And yeah. they, they don't want him as manager. Well, I mean, that, that part is fair. That that part's fair. I think I think they're getting a result in spite of Gary Rowett rather than because of Gary Rowett. So yeah. Um no, it's, even though Tom Bradshaw scored two goals and Wallace did nothing, uh, it's still Jed Wallace, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad as I don't have him, he didn't punch me. Yeah, I thought I might get something from him on my goal fest, but no, he let me down. Um, he won't often, but he did this week. Um, in terms of Stoke, there are obviously a number of changes. Um, obviously, Nick Powell's out um, for anyone who didn't, who, who wasn't with us when we did the spaces midweek. Um, it's a leg fracture for him. O'Neill said six to eight weeks, which is obviously really unfortunate. Um both for gaffer managers and just sort of like championship fans, you want to see the best players in the division fit and playing. Um, so that's really unfortunate with him. Um, the most interesting thing for this, I thought in this for Stoke was that they just changed the goalkeeper. <laughs> so he mistake, didn't he? Yeah. Mistake and you're getting dropped. Yeah. So Bursic was in for Davis. There was also Ostergaard came back in. We've been saying where's Ostergaard? He came back in. Um, Sawyers was back in. I think he'd been um, ineligible for the previous game, I think. But um, Francic and Surridge also in K4. And Smith, Klukas, Thompson, and Thompson joined Powell as the absences. Um, they did actually take the lead, obviously, with the remain Sawyers goal. Um, they had a couple more chances, but like couldn't do anything with them. And I wrote down, they they will be worried with how easily they were cut open for both goals um, down that channel. And Bradshaw stood in a mile of space in the area, which would be probably the most concerning thing. Like, you know, when they do the match of the day thing, where they draw the sort of circles around the guy to show how much space he was in, the circle around Bradshaw would be far too big on both of those goals. Um, Campbell came on, but uh, Jamie said he didn't look up, didn't look fit. Um, which you can understand with how long he's been out. Um, I think anyone who was looking ahead to potentially owning him would have been waiting longer anyway. So that's not really much of note. But I think it will be interesting to see how they get through this period without Nick Powell. Um, he was obviously in good form and so important to them that I think they're probably better set up now than, for example, last season. If they'd lost Nick Powell, they would have been in, in worse shape. Or I think with, with the sort of, the few additions they've made, they they are in better shape to to deal with a Powell absence. But obviously, you're not going to truly make up for it 
Um, so it'd be interesting to see sort of how they can do in this period. But not ideal for them. Um, defeat particularly to Gary Rowett. Um, so that they will be unhappy. But, you know, I haven't seen anything about why Smith was out. Um, so that's the one thing that I will be looking at this week because... Obviously, for, for gaffer managers, that's the, the sort of real bit of interest. Um, you know, they've got Cardiff and Blackpool in their next two. Um, Luton and then Peterborough. So, in theory, it's a decent run for them. But I'm I'm genuinely not sure who you would go for outside of Smith at this point. So, um, unfortunately, you probably won't be making the most of Stokes fixtures at this point. Um, but we'll get onto a team that lots of people are talking about, lots of people own, lots of people are talking talking about taking advantage of, which is Bournemouth. Uh, they hosted Huddersfield at the weekend. So Dan, talk to us about Bournemouth. Yeah, three nil win. Uh, Slanky with two goals. The first was a penalty which he won himself. That's two or three times he's managed to do that this season. Yeah. Um, this. There was also uh, a couple of assists for Billing and Christie. And uh, Kelly got the third goal. So, yeah, a lot of the, the key players turning up. Um, like you said on numerous podcasts that Solanke's the striking option. You've got some more in defence. And then we don't think there's too much to choose from between Billing and Christie. Um, I've got, I brought in Christie. I know, I think you've got Christie as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with either. I think maybe Billing is more likely to score from what, from the highlights I've seen. Yeah. It looks like Christie's an assist machine. Um, I don't know what else to say about Bournemouth. I, I suppose the one thing is uh, Jack Stacey has had a few games at right back. Uh, our Bournemouth correspondent has said that Smith's out. How long is he out for, Angus, do you know? About three weeks, I think. Yeah, so he might have three more games. Uh, Yeah, it's a short-term move, yeah. Yeah, so maybe Stacey, a good differential, but then it will be short-term. I'm not saying Stacey would get dropped, but We've seen already this season when Smith was first choice, Stacey was playing basically. So it's not a terrible pun. When Stacey was with Lou and he's in a very tackled fullback, mm. he will definitely get assists. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you've got much to say about Huddersfield and this, this week. No, not a lot. Uh, they made a few changes, uh, four in all. Um, Saar, Turton, Campbell and Karoma came in for Colwell, Sinani, Ward and Holmes. I think Corbrand had talked about the need to uh, rotate the squad just because essentially of the, the number of games a number of those players had played in. Um, it probably wouldn't have mattered who was playing for them in that game. Um, it's not even a slight on Huddersfield. I just think Bournemouth are playing so well at the moment that it would have been very hard for them, whoever was playing. Um, I did have one note on Bournemouth. Uh, 
in the nine games since Gary Cahill came into the team, they've kept six clean sheets and only conceded three goals. So um, we've we've spoken before about, you know, how good Gary Cahill is and what a big sort of addition he was for them, both in terms of sort of play and sort of leadership at the back and um, the influence on those around him. And I think we're seeing that bear out now. Um, I think they were also speaking positively about the the difference it's made to Lloyd Kelly, both playing against next to him, but also I think he's been given the armband um, and what a big difference that's made to him as well. So I think it's looking much more solid from there all the way out, which I think helps particularly with the attacking fullbacks they've got. Uh, just a, a quick thing about Huddersfield, Angus, is we, we had a discussion on Friday, didn't we, about... Yeah. Taking some data, and I was surprised. Huddersfield, obviously before Bournemouth, had the third lowest XG, um, which you don't associate with Huddersfield, especially after last year they were a team to target, and that that was actually one of the reasons why I I didn't captain or vice captain Solanke. I, I thought the upside wasn't as big. Mm-hmm. It just proves that Bournemouth are, are quite good, but. I think when Huddersfield play teams around them or near the bottom, I'm starting to think that a defender is not the worst way to go. Um, Toffolo. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to keep mentioning Toffolo. Um, I think he's a good pick. Obviously, it's different to last year where he he was cheaper than he is this year and he won't necessarily get the same going forward Sort of the the attacking returns of last year, but I do think there's there's points to be had there in the Huddersfield defence. Um, but move on to the next game, which is uh, Birmingham against Swansea. Um, obviously, a, a big win for for Birmingham. So talk to us about them, Dan. Yes, yeah, so the Birmingham were playing a three four two one. Um, I, th- I think over the last few weeks. Colin and Bella have been missing through injury. So they've been playing Graham Wright wing back at um, Pettersson left wing back, who at the start of the season was playing left of the three as a centre back. Um, they seem to have dropped Harley Dean, that he's fallen out of favour. But what one player that has been brought in into the back three is Sanderson. Yeah. Um, who was who done a who had a very good loan spell at Sunderland last year? I think he's on loan from Wolves. Yes, yeah, he is. Yeah, and I was checking his price, and he's only four point four million. Yeah, so I, I think Birmingham have like a, a pretty decent uh, fixture run coming coming up as well. Middlesbrough. Bristol City, Reading, Hull, so 4.4. I know I know a lot of people had him, but it's not a terrible way to get into what could be a, a, a decent uh, defence. Uh, going on the game, uh, Deeney played as a nine with Hogan and Tong sort of in behind him. Um, Deeney got the first goal, Tong assist, and then McGree got second. Uh, Hogan also missed the one-on-one. Uh, I think it was clear, also mentioned that Deeney was given the armband for this game. So you, this this feels like Deeney's going to play from now on. Uh, 
Um, and I'm, what I want to know, Angus, is how quickly are you getting Deeney in? Well, I am looking for uh, at potential striker replacements at the moment, and Troy Deeney is not on my shortlist. <laughs> um, it's basically I need more. I don't hate it as an idea, but I I need more. I'm looking sort of like particularly. You know, 16, they play Bristol City. 17, they play Reading. 18, they play Hull. 20, they play Blackpool. You know, there's there's some decent games in there. Um, but I'd need to see at least probably another game or two before I went there. Um, I wouldn't rule it out because as much as I don't like him, you know, if he gets on a roll, you know, he, he could be a good option. But it's not for me. <laughs> um in terms of Swansea, they obviously they, they made a few changes for this. Um, Manning, Latabodier and Ncham came in for Cabango, Bidwell and Downs. Um, this would be a disappointing result for them after their midweek game where they beat West Brom. Um, and I think the big thing for them is if you swapped the results around they'd probably feel quite positive if they'd lost 2-1 to West Brom and beat Birmingham 2-1. They'd probably feel much more positive about it than they will now. Um, the other sort of real positive for them was uh, Michael Obafemi coming off the bench and getting a goal. Um, obviously, you know, they're one of their more notable signings. Um, for people who are wondering, I don't think it's a threat to Piero's position at this point he, you know he came on to join Piero and then Piero went off um so I think Piero is still the number one um but you know you you can never have too many sort of form strikers so um that would be a positive for them but you know all in all they'll be leaving it a bit disappointed you know they turned 72 percent possession into seven shots only one of which was on target. You know, it's just not a great day all round, really, for them. Um, but we'll move on from them to the local derby, uh, Blackpool-Preston, a big win for Blackpool. So, Dan, talk to us about them. Yeah, another win, another three points, another... Pretty decent performance against their rivals, Preston. Um, Medine and Yates were up front, still no Lavery. Um, Keshi Anderson got the first goal, assist by husband. Uh, the second was Nadine, assist by Yates. And I get you get the feeling this Blackpool side have started to really settle into the championship yeah. now. And, uh, I know, I think they're one of the that uh, group of teams that are on 21 points and um, I'm not saying they're, they're going to get promoted or, or anything like that but I, I will tell you this Angus I did have a look to see if there was any midfielders I, I was hoping uh, Keshi Anderson yeah that's the big one midfielder and he, he, he's in as a forward which was a bit of a disappointment because I think they got pretty decent uh like a pretty decent fixture run, Derby. Oh, sorry, Sheffield United. So cute. Oh, they haven't actually. 
think I just wanted to. I think I just wanted to see uh, Blackpool players. But look, we we said this before. Blackpool are doing very well. They're getting to the point where they're they're nowhere near getting relegated and solid mid table. Um, in a good position to plan for next year already. And yeah, quite impressive to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, on the other side of this game were Preston. Pretty disappointing, really. Um, it's not great. Um, you look at some of the stats, like possession shots, it looks relatively even, but they weren't very good. Um, they... And this will hurt them, you know, losing... Um, the Derby game, they've waited, I think it was six years to play each other and, that, you know, to sort of get swept aside by that won't feel won't feel great. Uh, they, In terms of looking at their players, it was an unchanged side. It won't be for the next game because Alan Brown managed to get himself sent off in a, you know, what felt like a scuffle as a result of frustration uh, at the end of added time when you see a guy get a second yellow card in the 97th minute. <laughs> But it's, you know, there's not really much positive to take from the game for Preston, really. Um, but we'll move on from them. I don't really have much more to say on them. Uh, <laughs> uh, to the Sunday games. So the first one, which uh, went a couple of different ways, actually, was uh, Barnsley Sheffield United. Uh, Dan, you've got to, you've been able to talk about some winners. Now you get to talk about Barnsley. Yeah, that, that was the joke, wasn't it? I sent sent you a screenshot of the results after Saturday. I think <laughs> I just for a one Yeah, uh, you've done well to talk for so long on the, some of those. <laughs> um, so Barnes, so I'm. This match was on the red button, and once I figured out how to get the right uh, red button working, because it wasn't working on Virgin. Uh, I managed to watch some of the uh, most of the, the the first half and the second half. Um, Barnsley were playing four three three. Styles was left wing back. Moon was centre wing, uh, centre mid, and it was not a great first half. Um, it was pretty boring. Um, and Barnsley ne- never really started playing until they were three 0 down, and then they made a couple of changes. Uh, Devante Cole and Leia Zeka came on, and um, they both got goals. There was a Woodrow assist. Um, also, I think they hit the woodwork as well at some point. Um, it's, it's too late. You're three 0 down. Um, I I don't know what to say about Barnsley. I still can't believe he's not been sacked. <laughs> That's the story, really, isn't it? That he's still in the job. Is at the point where he just thinks he's going to stay forever? I think. Um, yeah, no, it's not. It's not nice. But I, I think we thought there'd be a drop off, but this is this is beyond what any of us thought. To be honest, um, and I, to be honest, I don't think Sheffield United had to be great to win the game. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing you got a bit more to say than I have about Barnsley about Sheffield United. Though. Yeah, um, so obviously, obviously a great start for them. Uh, they made quite a few changes for this game. Um, 
So Baldock, Norwood, Ndi, McBurney and Mousse in for Bogle, Hurahan, Gibbs, White, McGoldrick and Sharp. Um, obviously, Sharp, you know, he was going to need a game off at some point. Um, Gibbs White was suspended. Um, Bogle was kind of always filling in for Baldock, so I think that that one, you know, you would have expected. Um, yeah, they went 3-0 up. Uh, first two goals were both by Lise Mousset with Ben Osborne assists. Um, and I think when people start looking at Sheffield United assets now, those are probably two players they should be looking at. Mousse, we know, while he's fit, is an asset. The problem is how long it's going to be until he gets injured again. And Ben Osborne has quietly been doing a very nice job for them on the left-hand side of the sort of three behind the striker. Um, and I think, you know, he's reached the point where you can very realistically look at him. Um, he won't obviously have sort of lots of two-assist games, but, you know... He's picking up returns and I think, you know, and then he scored the third. So I think he's worth a look at this point. Baldock got the assist for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gibbs White's obviously going to come back in and we know that he's an asset. But I think, you know, Osborne and Mousse are, are ones to look at as well, I think. Um, you know, th- Baldock maybe, but again, it's that high price for the defenders that's the problem with them. Even if they, even like, I mean, they tried to throw this game away, but even if they sort of do keep some clean sheets, the problem is the price you're paying for a Sheffield United defender, really. I, I, I just think since the first international break, they've they've sort of gone, they were quite solid at the start, but they've sort of over overcompensated themselves to be more attacking to where they're now not good enough at the back and as you said especially with the prices that their defenders are they're not options yeah uh, but we'll move on to the last game from Sunday uh, which was Nottingham Forest against Fulham so I get to talk about another winner uh, but you get to start down by talking about Nottingham Forest yeah, so Forrest, um, they lined up with pretty much the the go-to f- formation and side they've been playing with. Obviously, you know, the two wing-backs and uh, Zinkanago and Johnson behind grabbing. Um, first goal, obviously, Spence with the, the own goal. Bit, bit of luck. Unlucky. Uh, I guess in the game really changed, though. With the poor mistake for the second, everyone just sort of stopped waiting for Mitrovic to, to pass it into the net. Yeah, they then sort of chased the game, and then you can't do that against Fulham. You'll just get. Uh, yeah. Like I said, this was their first test, and they didn't do very well. But I don't think too many teams would do well against Fulham. Um, it's getting to the point where whenever your team plays West Brom, Bournemouth or Fulham, you've just got to say that they're going to be up there. Um, And we've seen Forrest since Cooper's taken over what they're all about. It has been working and I expect them to climb up the table. Um, I've still got low. I, 
I obviously benched him this week, but I'm, I'm happy for him to maybe play the odd, the odd game. Um, they've got QPR coming up, Sheffield United, Preston, Reading. Um, so there's games there where I'll, I'll play him. And he's not too expensive where you can bench him if you, mm. if you want to. So, yeah, uh, I, I got rid of Zinconagel this week. I'm not sure attacking wise. I I think John's I think we discussed Johnson's probably the way to go. Yeah. Um but yeah, not, I wouldn't worry too much. We've got Boris assets Yeah, and I mean you obviously get the added bonus in Gaffer of uh your defend your players don't lose points if they score a an own goal. So it, it's just uh, it's just an extra goal conceded. So that's a small consolation for people who started Spence this week. <laughs> Did you start Spence? No, no. He was, I think, third sub for me. <laughs> um, but on the Fulham side, I mean, it was just the one change. Harrison Reed, who'd been a doubt with a knock, um, was replaced Tom Kearney um, after getting 45 minutes in midweek started and played the full 90. So that's a big positive for them, having him back now. Um, the first goal, let's say... Spence own goal, Mitrovic fires it across. So I'm sure some people were hopeful that Mitrovic was going to get even the goal, but it's definitely an own goal. Um, the two Forest defenders who like appeared to challenge each other to gift Mitrovic the goal was very kind of them. Um, I will happily take those points. Um, Dennis Adoy getting getting an assist for being dragged down to win a penalty. His his days are numbered in the team. Uh, Tete came on in the second half in this. So, um, and Silver has talked about how important Tete is. So, I I will not be saying anything positive about Dennis Adoy still, and I will not have to look at him for much longer, which is always positive. Um, and then Cabano got the scoring with a, an assist from Harry Wilson. Um, Cabano starting to pick up points now, staying in the team. I think he's an interesting sort of option in that Fulham team now. Um, it is worth saying, though, while they won 4-0, they scored four goals from three shots on target. So uh, <laughs> that that was uh, extreme efficiency from them. Um, but no, I mean, I think that they'll obviously be very happy with that. I think, like you say, you know, Fulham are one of those teams where it's going to be very hard for opposing teams. Um, the other thing that may be of note for, for people at this point is it at least appears that Marek Rodak has the shirt in goal now. Um, I think he's better than Gazaniga. He's also very popular there. And um, that has been alluded to where the difference last season when he was replaced when they went up was they got a goalkeeper, the quality of Ariola to replace him, where when it's Gazaniga instead, it's not the same thing. Um, and Silva had also talked up his form when he went away on international duty. So I think he's he's sort of firmly won his place back now. It's quite a lot with some of the price of some of the budget keepers. He's around 5.5. So you're not necessarily want to go, going to want to go that high when you've got the likes of Moore, Lumley, Bursic, I guess, until he makes a mistake. <laughs> but it, I think it helps the defence that they do now have a better and more secure goalkeeper behind them, who's also a better communicator, which is one of those things that does make a big difference to defenders. So um, it could be better for your other defensive assets as well. 
another assist for Harry Wilson, two goals for Mitrovic. So, you know, the the big hitters all all getting points there, I think. The big news was Harry Wilson getting the yellow card. Yeah. Bonus. Yeah, he was he was on for probably what? At least two bonus and then got booked. Um but yeah, I mean I'll call that karmic justice for being gifted the assist in midweek. So it, it all evens out. <laughs> um, but we'll move on to the questions. We've got quite a few questions this week. Um, they are in no particular order. You know, if I don't get to your uh, question until later, I didn't take them in any sort of time order. It was just the way they appeared on my feed. And I, I tried to group some of the similar ones together a little bit. So um, the first one I've got is... Um, at, from Lad from the Tilton at Lad from the Blues on uh, Twitter, who said, "What player went under the radar at the start of the season that went under the radar at the start of the season has impressed you the most?" Um, what What's your answer to that then, Dan? Yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, I've written down two. I I think Pat's definitely yeah because. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago I was looking at it, and then I was like, oh, my God, Patterson's third goal scorer. Uh, definitely Patterson. I think it was because Swansea weren't really doing it. Yeah. And then it's, I, think, I think it's helped they've been on TV the last couple of games. They've become a lot more popular. So Patterson is definitely one that's a surprise. Yeah. So Patterson was one. The other one that I wrote down in terms of going under the radar right at the start of the season, which you have to be, you have to say is was like really the start of the season. I wrote down um, Jokeres because obviously he took a few weeks to get into this. So like, obviously no one was really looking at him at the start of the season. And then obviously he sort of exploded. Um, so he's the other one for me. Um, but you've got a question from Billy Hadaway. Um, he said he sold Solanke a couple of weeks ago for Brereton Diaz, which hasn't gone well so far. Should I keep the faith or admit my st- mistake and go back to Solanke? Is it also Christie for as Bournemouth attacking coverage? And then he also asks, is it time to get rid of Malone? And if so, who for? Cheers, lads. So uh, the first one, should he admit his mistake and go back to Solanke? I'm starting to think. Asking should. Um, yeah. It's the fixtures, Angus. They've got yeah. Reading, Preston, Swansea, Derby. Oh, you you could realistically captain him in every every yeah. one of those games. Um, I know it's not it's not too easy to go. It, it might be like if he's got Brevin Diaz, it's a bit easier. But if if say you've got Yoker is, you've got to try and make up that much difference. That might be harder. Um, but yeah, I think I think Solanke is, as I said, been saying for a few weeks now. If you want a captaincy option, it's Solanke. Uh, and I don't think Binning or Christie can cover. No, I think if you, I think you, what you really want there is Solanke plus one of them. Um, in terms of yeah, I would I wrote down in terms of just making a couple of notes and when he said, should I keep the faith or admit my mistake and go back to Slanky, I said, go back 
now. Um, so, um, in terms of Malone, I would say, personally, I would say no, but that's because they're about to play Huddersfield, Reading and Derby in the next three. And if you, like, I know he's a lot, but if you said you'd got a defender playing Huddersfield, Reading and Derby in the next three, you wouldn't be selling that player. Also, it was like um, Middlesbrough. We had the similar similar questions about McNair. Yeah. Uh, I know McNair scored goals, things like that, but he, he, they also kept three clean sheets. Yeah. So there's a good chance that they keep two clean sheets there as well. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure it's the best time to get no, I mean, there, there's sort of, and it gives you a little bit extra time to work out sort of where you want, you might want to go from him as well, where they've got those three games coming up. Um, getting a couple of players back in as well, I think getting the likes of Murray Wallace back into the team in the back three could be better for them as well. Um, the next question we had was from Ski House 78 who said, if you have two West Brom defenders, would you bench one? away to Fulham? If so, who between Furlong and Townsend? He also says Patterson or Billink will be tripled up on Bournemouth. Uh, so the first question there, if you had two West Brom defenders, would you bench one against Fulham? And if so, which one? Yeah, I would. And I would probably bench Furlong. Interesting. And I, I know Furlong's just got to assist, but I think... There's not too much difference between Townsend and Furlong. And I think we've seen throughout the season, Townsend does better on bonus. Uh, that's the way I'm going. I, especially as I'm guessing you've probably got Mitchum, personal ask, probably got Mitrovic anyway. Mm. Um, I'm debating whether to... I've only got Townsend. I'm, I'm debating whether to just bench Townsend. Yeah, I've only got Townsend, and as it stands in my setup for next for this weekend, I have benched him. So um, I think it's close. Um, I would go Townsend just based off the thought that I think Adoy might get one more game at right back, and if he's there, you want the player up against him. Um, my my sort of not a rating of Dennis Adoy will never die. Um, but uh, but it's close, but I would definitely bench one. Um, I would be slightly tempted, depending on the structure of your team, to bench both if you can get away with it. But I would probably just bench one, um, just in case they sort of get, you know, a half clean sheet or even a full clean sheet out of it if it's a bit sort of, you know, of a cagey affair between them. Um, in terms of the second part of the question, Patterson or Billing, with the fact that it would be a triple up on Bournemouth? Uh, I think I would... Let me just see Swansea's fixtures. So they've got Peterborough, Coventry, Bournemouth and Blackpool. As we've discussed Bournemouth's fixtures. I think I would go Billing. Yeah, I, I think, think, I think it's close. Um, I possibly go Patterson just because Swansea have got a couple of good games there and if you've already got the double of Bournemouth I would assume one is Solanke so if you've got the double Bournemouth and then Patterson 
you might get the best of both worlds there. But the Bournemouth triple up is such a good one to own. I mean, I just got like, you know, almost 60 points of the Bournemouth triple up. So <laughs> it's it's hard to steer anyone away from that. Um, FPL reactions, Louis, uh, has two questions. One, uh, quite a simple one, stick or twist on Victor? I think you have to stick. I think so too, if for no other reason than their next game is against Hull. Hull and I was like, yeah, you have to. But even uh, then, they've got Swansea, where I think the way Coventry play with the press, I think they could cause Swansea a couple of problems. And then it's Bristol City and then Sheffield United. So that's that's not a bad run of fixtures for him. <laughs> um, you can't get rid when they're about to play Hull. Yeah, like you can reassess after the whole game. If he blanks against Hull as well... Then, then you can start thinking about whether to sell. Um, the second question, with forwards like Piro and Brereton Diaz, who are the ideal front three? Um, so I'll go first on this one. And I've, I've had a little bit of a cop-out here in that I've said Mitrovic, Solanke, and one other. Because I, I'm beginning to think, with a number of these options popping up, Victor, Piro, Brereton, Diaz, Adebayo, that actually what you can do is use that third striker spot as a bit of a rotation, sort of even two, three weeks at a time if you want to, or you ju you try and jump from who's on form to the next one, particularly given that Victor and Brereton, Diaz are both sort of fallen backwards a little bit. But I think the key for me personally is that you need to have Mitrovic and Solanke I don't know about you yeah that was near enough what I was going to say um I think you just got to look who do you fancy captain the next few and it's pretty much you can captain Fulham or, or Mitrovic or Solanke for quite a while so um like I said I've got Adebayo um we've got Preston away it's not essential for me to get rid of him, but if I hear any news that he's injured, there's yeah. definitely a few strikers there. Caught my eye, Trero. I wouldn't even rule out going to Victor. Seeing those, victims. yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I'll be making a change at striker, and I haven't decided between the various options at this point. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a number of options. So, yeah, my thought would be Mitrovic, Solanke plus one, basically. Um, which we've kind of addressed uh, FPL Taxi at Russell Levy's question on Twitter, which was Victor versus Brereton as third for, for the foreseeable, possibly, but I think that discussion has branched out now. Um, and then James Wood, our Bournemouth correspondent, asked, the third striker spot seems to be opening up. <laughs> uh, who do we think is making a claim for it over the next five games? Um, so I think there we've said, you know, Piero, Victor, Brereton-Diaz, um, Adebayo. And the one I would just chuck in there at the moment, and 
part of it is recency bias after seeing him at the weekend where he played very well against a bad team. But keep an eye on Spora at Middlesbrough. Um, he looks he looks bright. Um, remains to be seen how many returns are there, but I'd just keep an eye on him as well. Um, the other part of the question he asks is also any ideas for fun new boosts? A free hit could be handy over Christmas. So obviously the uh, the boosts are about to reset. Um, what sort of thing would you would you like to see, Dan? Or if you were coming up with a boost, what would you what would you like to see? Of the boost, I haven't got to me anyway, so maybe it's wise. We don't have any boost now. I'm joking. <laughs> now, um, I'm not too too bothered. I think around uh, about this time they brought out last year. That was it. Jeepers keepers they brought out for the way days. Can't remember. The way days, I think. Um... I'm guessing they will do a new boost. We don't know anything they haven't discussed. No. Um, I, ho- I hope it is a new boost because it's one of those things if you're engaged with the game you can, and you research it, theoretically you should do better than someone who doesn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you thought about it, Angus. Um, so I... <sighs> I couldn't decide whether I liked the idea of a free hitting gaffer, but I think I decided I didn't. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. Um, oh yeah. Um, I know we've had basically the equivalent of a bench boost before. Um, I think there's times coming up where, particularly times in past weeks, where I would have quite liked to have the bench boost. I think they called it a super subs last year. It was in one of the set of boosts. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Otherwise, I know I've talked about it before, the home advantage boost that's in the Super League game. Um, something like that, that, maybe. Um, See that instead of away days? Yeah. Um, I've sort of looked ahead at possibly being able to use that quite early on in the next set of boosts, just get it out of the way. So... Um, so we'll just address their um, non-stop FPLs question. Uh, who said, apologies, new to the game. Do the same chips refresh after game week 15 or are there different chips? And have you thought of any few further trip chip strategies going forward? Um, so there will probably be some that, be, that are the same, but there will be some different ones almost certainly. Um, it's... I think we had three different sets of boosts last time, and there was at least one that changed each time. I think the overhaul was fake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pointless, yes. Yeah. You're probably um, fine. Keep three of them. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been looking ahead, particularly early on in the next set of boosts, just in case the home advantage chip is there. Um, in terms of looking to see how well I can set my team up to potentially, or how well set up my team is. I don't necessarily want to plan overly towards it, but if my team can be well set up to using that relatively early, get it out of the way, uh, but otherwise not really. Um, but yeah, there, there will probably be some that are the same, at least one or two that are different um, in terms of the boosts uh, in the next set. 
Um, FPL Flair asked us a very easy question, in theory, um, given that it's similar to the one we answered before. He's, he said Patterson or Christie for the next few fixtures. Um, as much as I want to recommend Patterson, I still think at the moment, you know, I mean, I'm off the back of a nine-pointer from Christie, and um, he appeared in all... I mean, it was his ball in for a really good ball in that Billing nodded down for his assist to, for Solanke's goals. I think, you know, those three, it, it's tough to steer anyone away from them, really. Um, the only reason I'm steering people away from one of Billing or Christie is because I think you need to have Solanke and Zamora. So, um, yeah, I'd say Christie. Um, FPL frustration. Uh, <laughs> it's another Bournemouth question. He said, thanks for covering my question last week. What are your thoughts on investing in a Bournemouth midfielder, particularly Billing and Christie? Um, we've covered this at length. Um, I prefer Christie, but either one is a good shout for me. Um, I don't know. I know you said you think Billing is possibly more likely to score, Dan, but which one of the two would you advise people to go with? I went for Christie. Just because Billing can drop a bit deeper yeah. at times, one thing. Uh, Christie is more expensive. I, I think they're both really good options. I don't think yeah. you'll go too wrong without. Um, you might have the odd game where one does better than the other, but then next week it'll probably be the other way around. So I think if you have one of them like, with Solanke, I don't think too far wrong to be honest um got four more questions here uh joe amra batman asked what's your preference of boost this week out of Goldfest and jeepers keepers um so obviously it's tough to know without seeing your team but i believe his goalkeeper um goalkeepers are more and lumley uh, with Moore playing Hull and Lumley playing Middlesbrough. Um, so without necessarily knowing the specifics of his team, Dan, with those two keepers, would you rather go Goldfest or Jeepers Keepers? Uh, I think I'd probably go uh, Jeepers Keepers just because he's probably got Mitrovic and they're playing West Brom. Just looking for his team now. He's got Mitrovic, Solanke and Brereton as his front three. He's got Chair, Swift, Cornick. Gibbs White. Yeah, I think Jeepers Keepers. Yeah, I think so. Just because of Mitrovic. Yeah. I mean, Mitrovic might bag a couple anyway, but I think like, um, you wouldn't necessarily be banking on that is the big thing there. You think you got four goals and Mitrovic and Solanke both got two? Yeah. So... That was it. <laughs> You know, it felt good in the end, particularly because I'd captained Solanke, which is the one that... I... Actually, you still get the captaincy with Jeepers Keepers. Like, you can't obviously can't double the Jeepers Keepers points, but, like, you, it's all bonus, like, with, with those two boosts. That's the upside there, is, like, you know, you still get your captaincy picks and everything, but I think I'd probably edge Jeepers Keepers there. Um, FPL Commander, um, who sent a picture of his team... And said he's got two transfers for this squad, but not sure what I should do. Uh, 
at last time I be- at last I believe it's time to bring Solanke in. Well, yeah, we've we've said we've covered that at length. Um, but how best to do it with what I've got with four point seven in the bank? Uh, he also asked Jamie how it feels to own Solanke now. Um, Jamie's not feeling very well at the moment, so I'm not sure anything feels good at the moment. <laughs> but uh, um, looking at your team, I did have a brief look earlier. I would downgrade Travers in goal and then turn Victor or Adebayo into Solanke. Yeah. Um, I'm not against that. Or maybe Flint. Uh, you could downgrade. Well, he um, needs to get rid of one of the Bournemouth because he's on a triple Bournemouth. All oh, right, yeah, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to do something else, and then I realised he was on triple Bournemouth, and I was like, and I'd probably lean towards Adebayo with the injury down. Yeah. So I think, I think Coventry have a three fixtures where things got small. Yeah, and I know that a goalkeeper transfer doesn't feel great, but particularly if you're doing it for a free and it gets you Solanke, go that way. Probably captain two or three times in the next week. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked this question from uh, Martin from the Man On podcast, um, who asked, are there any players not on the first three pages for their position in the transfers page? So the point so far that you fancy to be on page one by the end. Um, so I did a bit of looking at this earlier. I don't often make notes about the questions, but I saw this one and decided that I was going to need to sort of make a couple of notes on this. Um, so I didn't do goalkeepers because I I couldn't see anything by way of goalkeepers in terms of keepers that aren't on the first three pages already that we're going to get up there. Um, in terms of defenders, um, for reference, the final defender on the first page is on 70 points. One of them is a little bit of a cheat in terms of not on the first three pages because I picked the first defender on the fourth page, which is Toffolo, who's on 59. So he's only 11 points off the first page as it stands, and I think he could get up there. I also wrote down Nathan Byrne from Derby, who's on 56. They're a good team defensively. He's getting forward a bit. I thought as a as sort of someone who I think could end up up there. You know, we've seen Curtis Davis up there. Um, there's clearly defensive points at Derby. So I wrote down Burn. And then the other one, just as a mention, if their insane sort of clean sheet record does continue, I also mentioned Gary Cahill. Um, I don't know if there's any more that sort of you can see, Dan, on the on the defenders at least. Uh, I think I'd add Pedersen from Birmingham. Yeah. Now, especially now he's playing, if he's playing left wing back and that stays, uh, I'd probably go with him. But yeah, I looked as I'd done what you did and I saw Toffler and I was like, yeah, that's an old easy one. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the midfielders, uh, for reference to people, the first page there ends on 66 points. Um, I said Gibbs White. He's on 45, but I think by the end, if he stays, I know there's been some talk about whether Wolves might recall him, but assuming he stays for the season, he could well end up on the first page. And I also put, because I will keep bringing this up, if Carvalho ever comes back, he could end up on the first page. Um, And on forwards, uh, the the page there ends on 69 points. I wrote down 
um, if he can stay fit to lease Mousset. I've also got I'd pick Deeney as well. I wrote down Deeney, but I didn't want to say it. <laughs> but yeah, if he sort of stays in the team, gets some goals, he could also sort of make up that gap. Um, the final question, which um, is probably the question we've ever had that has made me laugh the most, was from Nick Griffith, and it was, would you rather fight one troll-sized Alexander Mitrovic? I assume we're talking sort of like from the sort of, you know, you see your fantasy films or whatever, like, you know, a big troll, not one of these trolls that lives under a bridge. Um, in a, you know, in a children's story or whatever. Or 10 Oompa Loompa-sized Sol Bambas. Um, so, Dan, would you rather fight one troll-sized Alexander Mitrovic or 10 Oompa Loompa-sized Sol Bambas? 10 Oompa Loompa Sol Bambas. Yeah. Um, quite kind. He's quite kind and gentle. Yeah. Talk him out. Talk yeah, him out. exactly. And, like, you know, if, if the question is, would you rather fight... fight one troll-sized Alexander Mitrovic or give me the or. Give me whatever yeah. comes after or. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's that's a great way to end the questions, I think. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all we've got this week. Um, Jamie should be back with us next pod. Um, it was last minute. He's come down with illness, uh, so hope he gets well soon. Um, this will be out basically whenever he can put it out um but it should be back in it should be out in plenty of time before the next deadline um should be doing the spaces on thursday angus do you know i can't do it this week um i'll leave it up to you and jamie whether you want to do one on thursday night um i can't do thursday this week um so keep your eyes peeled for that um there'll be something tweeted out from the pod account on whether that on if there's going to be a spaces on thursday um if not we'll be back with you on sunday um to round up the next set round up the next set game so um yeah so th thank you all for listening thank you dan for joining me and we'll see you all next time Bye.